0: As a student, how many Black teachers did you have? If your answer
1: is two or less, you are not alone. We know that Black teachers are under attack. And with all the conversation happening about Black teacher recruitment, shouldn't we be talking about retention too? So, where are all of our Black teachers? I'm so glad you asked. In the new monthly podcast series from Tudor Productions, the exit interview coming in late January, Asia Lyons. Hey, y'all. And me, Kevin Adams talk with former black educators who've been pushed out of the classroom. We want to know their stories. Who or what made them leave? How was their family affected by the push-out? And most importantly, what are they doing now that they've left the classroom? If you'd like to be on the exit interview, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at 2 Teachers, or email us at 2DopeTeachers at gmail.com.
0: Teachers, and a Mike Nation.
1: How are you all doing? That's
0: a loaded question, man. You can't be asking me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't can't be asking that question. We got a new... Don't ask me how I am. Don't don't ask me how
1: I'm doing. How do you think I'm
0: doing? It's a panoramic. (laughs) panoramic. There's a panoramic out there. It's it's a panoramic. (laughs) Man, family, family, you have... No idea what's about to happen to your brain and spirit and heart in just a couple of moments. Am I right?
1: Y- y- y'all are about to, you know, be inspired, be moved. Uh, You're gonna be touched, and 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 just and just and, and enlightened. That's the way I describe a real enlightenment, real un- better understanding. I mean, it's a, we another have, hot
0: one. We, we're on a roll. We're on a roll, man. We must be butter, because we are on a roll. Um, first thing. <laughs> oh, no, we oh, didn't. I stole that from the late Stuart Scott, uh, one of my favorite people. Um, also, I want to take, like, a somber moment. Um, yes. We have lost some folks to the ancestors um, in the last 24 hours. Uh, Sekou Smith, a 48-year-old, yes. a, a longtime NBA writer, has passed away, and he wasn't supposed to. Um, oh, and that's, you know, he, he's a dude, his writing, like, there, there are so many NBA writers out there, and you know me, man, I love the NBA, um, but there's a lot of trash writers out there. And yes. he was absolutely brilliant, and his absence will be felt. Will be missed. Um, also, um, just seeing a report that the brilliant, powerful Cicely Tyson has passed Oh,
1: off. heartbroken. And,
0: um, my, you know, that's I learned tough. about Cicely Tyson from my white mama. And ah. so, like, that's, I, I feel very proud of her in these moments, but 96 years old, like, knew? Ah. Who, who, like, um, but rest, rest in power. Wonderful soul, rest in power. And um, gone to be with the ancestors, so. Um, but our episode today is- Today? Uh, today? I mean, today is going to be channeling the power of the ancestors, I think. Um, yes. We have the brilliant and powerful Key Gross the former, or the former, the founder of uh, Woke Kindergarten, which is everywhere on digital media, um, and uh, they will talk about a lot of topics. What are some some of the topics they talk about?
1: <laughs> Woo, that's
0: that's a long. They,
1: loop. I mean, we we went through it all, right? From we did. from identity, the the travel to the classroom, path to the classroom. Uh, you know, w- what is woke kindergarten? You yeah. know, parents building solid relationships with parents, right? And 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 how do we deal um, work with parents to build, right? And and when when they were talking about um, parents, I couldn't help but think of like Dead Pres Day schools, the end they where he's me. like, they'll teach our families how to interact better with each other, yep. right? Because he was getting right at the heart of a lot yep. of the points that dead press makes in day schools, you know, and, yep. and um, so, and, and just to think about that this is happening with kindergartners, yep. which, which I think is beautiful. And we even covered independent artists. So just we so do. much. Oh, like, yeah. one, of, one of the
0: greatest, one of the greatest uh, top five rappers that we've had, Make Watch
1: sure, them. make sure y'all, you, you get ready because you, you get your uh, you're gonna have some uh, new artists to listen to, to find, yep. track down, to get into. So, this episode is chocked full of excitement.
0: I mean, it's fire, it's fire, it's fire. Real talk, real talk.
1: <laughs> hey, if you
0: are new to the show, me it's and Kev fire. always act like this. Um, that's right. We always act like this because we take joy in trying to find ways to remix the conversation of race, power, and education. We are merely two public school teachers from the city of Denver. I, we haven't said that one in a while, have we? We haven't. We have Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at two dope teachers. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash two dope teachers in a mic. If you have show ideas, if you want to just shower us with praise in our email inbox, you can email us at teachers at gmail.com. Stay home haters. Yes. And um, and finally, um, you can support us on by listening on Apple, Sp- Apple and Spotify podcasts. If you are listening to us there, give us a five-star review and a rating. It helps more people find our content and helps us get closer to meeting Hove. Um, so uh, that's... <laughs>
1: I'd like to talk to you fellas about your podcast.
0: Hope <laughs> you fellas. We he did no. Okay, so um, so yeah, and we also have a Patreon if you would like to support our work, patreon.com slash 2 teachers. If you love and appreciate the content that you get from us weekly these days. So without any further ado, me and Kev bring you woke kindergarten with Key Gross. What's up, Tudope family? we are Ah. here what i just jumped on your words i just jumped right in (laughs) all right well so that's how intros typically go here on two dope teachers and a Mike. we would like to welcome a, a really really special guest um so they are a person that i came across um on dr bettina love's abolitionist teaching network podcast i think it was like Maybe the I think you may have been episode two, or I think something.
2: I was three.
0: Three, okay. I knew it was one Third of the episode early episodes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I want to introduce introduce you all to um, to Key, the creator of Woke Kindergarten. How here? are you this afternoon evening?
3: Um, you know that's a question that I feel like we are all getting asked a lot, and we lie <laughs> yes. and uh-huh. say like, "Yo, we're good." Like, <laughs> I'm 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 here. And I'm grateful to have my physical health right now, given the uh, multiple layered pandemics. Um, But you know, like I'm, you know, (laughs) we we making it, we we moving through. It's
0: it's the same thing. I I I finally, I think I actually figured out a way to address this like situation. So when I see folks, I ask them what's good, right? Mm. You know, because then it's kind of not that naive, like, how you doing? Well, what's good? What's good is this cheeseburger I'm eating right now, right? So it's like, it can be a really simple answer. And then when I answer and Kev has witnessed me do this, I will laugh and say terrible. I'll say, oh man, terrible. It's terrible. Everything's terrible. I don't know what's going on. But Humor is how we
3: get through. Humor is how we get through. It's such a, it's been such a like core element of our survival and- of our thriving when, when we feel like we're able to thrive. One thing I've been asking people is like, how are you nurturing your spirit lately? Mm. So not necessarily like, how are you doing? Cause I know we all struggling, Yeah. but how are you nurturing your spirit? And that really gets people thinking about like, okay, what are some ways I'm, what are some ways that I'm uh, surviving? Like, how am I helping myself kind of heal through this time? Yeah. So one way that I'm nurturing my spirit in this time is, uh, You know, I've become um a plant parent. That's been super nice. I like really enjoy
2: um
3: my plants. And I never thought I'd be a plant parent because I'm the type of person that like you hand me a succulent, I it I sorry, like I don't know, but like anything could happen. I wake up now. (laughs) Right. I wake up now and I'm like, let me go check on my plants and talk to my plants. And um, I'm still learning. I'm you know, I'm still learning how to be a plant parent. I have dogs, but yeah. <laughs> that's one way I've been nurturing my spirit. So how have y'all been nurturing yours?
0: Oh man, that's a great question. Kev, you take this one first.
1: Music. I go to my guitar. That that that's that is the best way. And then uh, you know, meditation. Meditation mm. and my guitar. That those are my those are my kind of big ones. And spending time with my family, which mm. I haven't been doing as much as I'd like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess for me, um, I've been trying to, and, and by the way, for just for fun, audience, uh, Key, everybody, um, all of our theme music is done by the Kevin Adams. <laughs> so,
2: um, that's so dope.
0: Kev, okay, I was just thinking about, so so we're both uh, NBA fans of Denver Nuggets, and I feel like you and I are kind of, we're complimentary in the way J. Michael Green and Michael Porter Jr. are like, we we have different things <laughs> we bring, you know. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, yeah, I can there vouch that the music part is really important to Kev. I think for me, it's been just trying to explore a creative side um, because I mm. think I think I'm a creative person, and I think that creativity is one of one of the many things that got colonized out of me as a young person. Yep. and uh, and so now I'm kind of embracing things. So. Like, you'll see my fancy recording studio right here. This is um, a basement closet where I keep my soccer jerseys. Um, so. I've been getting in here and, like, doing spoken word pieces and, like, doing that kind of thing. And so just trying try to be creative, you know. Yeah. That's a,
1: that is a great way to to start this. So so the question again is how? So <laughs> I love that. I love that Key just jumped in. It was like, I'm going to drop some questions on yeah. y'all's podcast. That's how we do it. Switch <laughs> it up. Switch this is up. great. So, so the question is, how
0: are you nurturing your spirit? Is that how you ask? Everybody? Yeah.
3: How are you nurturing your spirit lately? I love that. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, so, um, so when I came across, um, your interview with Dr. Love on the abolitionist teaching network podcast, um, it was one of those that I very nearly was just kind of like, Oh, I teach high school. This is, I don't need to work. You know, I'll come back to this. <laughs> it sounds fine. Um, but some told me to listen to it. So I listened and, um, that interview was such a breath of fresh air. Um, and, and it's the kind of thing that just, you know, we were talking a little bit off, off mic about, you know, how conversation and dialogue can really be, um, rejuvenating. It can be that professional development. And, um, and that's what that kind of interview did. And I reached, I was like, I have got to get them on the podcast. We have got to get (laughs) key out here. So, um, kind of want to start at the beginning um whatever that is uh so what what is it that kind of brought you into education in the first place um as a teacher what what is it about like how did your upbringing your identity sort of play a role in that path
2: for you
3: yeah I I really love this question I don't think I have the opportunity to answer it and I'm definitely not as forthcoming with like sure Who I am on what kindergarten's yeah. uh, pages. Um, I'm a Scorpio, so like I just, you know, I'm very just like private person, yeah,
4: sure. um, but
3: an open book at the same time. So when I am asked, I share. Um, so I, I never thought I would be a teacher. It was never something that felt accessible to me because I didn't have any black teachers. Um, it was, it was very rare, um, for me to see somebody that, uh, looked like me or looked like members of my family in teaching positions, um, growing up in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is actually has some of the most diverse cities in the nation. So like our population was super diverse, but Mm. our teaching population, not so much. Um, so it just never occurred to me, uh, to, to pursue that path when I was a child like I literally thought oh I'm gonna be a lawyer um until I watched the movie liar liar and I realized that <laughs> lawyers were liars and I was like oh no I can't do this um and then yes.
2: <laughs>
4: I
3: you know I play I played ball my whole life I played okay. basketball my whole life so I also thought yeah I'm, just, I'm gonna grow up I'm gonna you know at the time when I like identify or you know didn't know how else to identify so like tomboy girl whatever I thought okay I just I go to college and play ball and like be in WNBA
2: Um,
3: but then I thought too you know I'd be a child psychologist so that's mainly what I went to school to study Um, it's what I started studying um, in high school we had like a college institute program and I took a lot of AP courses and went in with a lot but you know when I reflect back on my childhood, I think to myself like I didn't always been a teacher. Um, i have always just been in that space, and I couldn't I couldn't see it at the time. But like mm-hmm. in elementary school, I was a PE and computer buddy for um, our kids uh, who were in our self contained classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like it was yesterday. Like that was that's what I did when yeah. I got to middle school. Um, I very similarly I was a best buddy. Um, I was also, um, what do you do when you were uh, like a mediator? I was a peer yeah, mediator. Yeah, peer mediator. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, You know, did that. Um, and in high school, um, same thing. Like in high school, I actually did my service learning at KinderCare. And huh. I used to go to KinderCare. I used to run KinderCare. I'm not even lying. I was yeah. like a teachers Pet. I used to run that joint. I was like,
2: yeah. I went
3: there for a few years. And so I thought, man, I love this. Like, I love being around kids. Like, I love working with kids. And so I'm going to go do my service learning at 15, um, volunteering at care. And that's what I did, you know? So I think about it. And I'm like, oh, like, this has always kind of been a calling for you. Mm. Um, And... You know, when I got to college, I, I went to Chapel Hill. So if you're a basketball fan, whoop, whoop. Uh, yeah, no hills. That's, right. that's right.
4: Sorry. Um, <laughs>
3: so I, I went to Chapel Hill and um, I uh, was, was you know, taking like I changed my major. My I was always double majoring. I changed my second major multiple times. So I was always a psych major okay. and I was English major. And then I was a psych major and a studio art major because I like shoot photography. I yep. used to study film. Oh. Um I was a psych major and then I was like studying classics for a little bit cause I was a Latin nerd. <laughs> so, <laughs> but then by the time I was like in my sophomore year like I am a person who lifelong has, you know lived with depression mm-hmm. um, and has gone through a lot. And so, you know, being 17, going to college dealing with a lot, then being in an institution that was huge and also a PWI. So,
2: yeah.
3: you know, I mostly spend my time with athletes um, which is drama in itself, but you know, being in these spaces, I'm in classrooms, right? That are like auditoriums. Yep. Yeah. 500 people, like multiple choice tests. That was it. I'm like, this is not the wave, right? Like, this isn't yep. it. But yep. I was doing my my other kind of like service learning, like along with my uh, with my psych major as like a like a PE assistant at like an elementary school, like all of these different things I was still doing. And actually what happened was my junior year, um, I had decided like, I'm if nothing changes, if this doesn't get more hands on, I'm bouncing, I'm gonna go back to marriage. Yeah. And my mother, who I just like, I grew up single parent, teenage mom, super overbearing, like really protective, <laughs> decided to take it upon herself to like find the early childhood program for me. I literally never in my life, like it wasn't even anything I conceived of. She reached out to the school of Ed and they actually gave me an opportunity to apply late to the early childhood program. Yes. Like, honestly, it was my mother. Um,
2: amazing. <laughs> and,
3: you know, when you grow up, you realize, dang, I got a lot of traits of my parents. Yep. Now, my yep. mother is not
4: a teacher.
3: <laughs> She's not a teacher. But I remember looking out, you know, a few years ago, looking out of uh, our townhouse back in Maryland. And I'm looking out the window up top. And my mom's sitting on a stoop with one of my dogs who recently passed away. And she was surrounded by 11 children. I thought to myself, I know I get this from you, you know, if you were able to do the things that you you wanted to do instead of having to do survivalist things to take care of me, then maybe this is where you would be. But it was because of my mother that I found the early childhood program and my life shifted from there. Like I did my um, student teaching in Carborough, North Carolina. Um, in a Head Start program. Yes. And um, it was the first time I was able to work with uh, the Karen population, yes. um, refugees from Burma, yeah. uh, from Myanmar. And so in, in Chapel Hill, there's actually a, a huge population of Karen refugees. Um, and I act, like, this is crazy, but like my cooperating teachers were two black women. It was the oh, most wow.
2: amazing oh, experience. Yeah. Oh, that's uh
3: Miss Jamila, who was like this like older Muslim witch. That's what okay. she was. Like who yes. beat who beat cancer with like potty arco and water. Like wow. I, I kid you not. And then Miss Candy, <laughs> wow. right? So I had the both of them. And I remember Miss Jamila trying to take care of me early on before I could really receive what that loving care wow. meant. Like mm-hmm. she really was trying to take care of me. So I had that. And I also did my student teaching in Durham, North Carolina. Um and it was that was it for me from there like that's how I, how I realized oh okay and it was beautiful to have the the psych experience because it's all one and the same right like you need we need all of that so that was my journey into teaching and that's then I, I I went home and I was with babies oh I was also at Frank Porter Graham at UNC and like so shout out to because that's a beautiful center I was an early head start program there okay. I went home was in Maryland DC and teaching preschool and teaching babies and that was it from there
0: that's cool You yeah, know, it's, it's interesting a couple of things kind of occur to me as as you kind of share your story um I, you know I wonder how many of us who are not part of the dominant culture in the current public school teaching force kind of took a winding path into the classroom where it's not necessarily something that we would have Identified when we were young people. Um, oh, I've always wanted to be a teacher. Very few of us like actually do. Like I started as an alternative license. Like literally, my predecessor cussed out the kids and left, and I was there the next day as a mm. sub. I was 21 years old. I'd never done any of this stuff before. It was like really wild. And um, and so that that so that occurs to me how many of us uh, from these kind of marginalized communities end up in those spaces. Um, the second thing is I I don't regret much about not doing a traditional, uh, teacher prep program, but I do regret not having the exposure to the psychology, uh, content, Mm. but I just feel like that would have been, that was something I wanted to know right away. And, um, and I've just kind of played catch up in a lot of that, but that's amazing. Uh, wow. What a, what a story. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's
2: cool.
1: No, I love that. I love that. And I can relate too to that winding path and that idea of like, I'm never going to be a teacher. I was like, and you always hear students. So like, I have faith. And like, my students are like, I'd never be a teacher. And I'm like, <laughs> be careful. I used to say that all the time. Right. And I, I tell them,
0: it. I tell them, well, don't be a teacher. Now you're 15. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you never right. a, well, But you, you want to do this. <laughs> you bring this perspective key to like, I believe this, there is a teacher's heart right, that we have, right? And so like, that's what you're talking about, like all these times. And when I look back at my life, I see these moments where I was like, oh, I was teaching people. It was kind of, you know, always looking out for those youngins. Um, So next question for you is, what are some of the ways that your identity impacts the work you do every day? So I think, you know, as teachers of color, you know, we go into this work and, and eventually you do realize my identity is really important in this space because there's not a lot yeah. of people like me. So what are some ways that your identities impact the work you do?
3: Yeah, um, there's so many intersections for that, right? Like I'm a like a multiracial Black person, so I have yes. a whole white family, yep. um, which is uh just like kind of a point of contention for me internally sometimes Mm -hmm. just understanding that like you can have a white family and not show up in the world as white you know like I don't want to but like that like it's sometimes there's a lot of violence that comes with having a white family Mm. that I you know like it there just is even when it doesn't seem overt
0: yeah um, say more about that. That's a really interesting concept. I also have a whole yeah. family. And so when you said the word violence, like, I was like, Oh, so yeah. say more about that. I think that's um,
3: I think it's violent to not see color. I think it's violent to just, you know, kind of go through life, not acknowledging that there's blackness in your family and that you need to alter your state of mind um, to understand that there are certain uh, modes of protection that that child needs to have. Now, my mother was very different. I had a a different experience growing up than a lot of other multiracial or biracial Black children in my community because my mother actually made sure that I grew up in Black culture. Um, And so sometimes that's not the norm. Mm -hmm. um for for uh, black children with white mothers and so I had that experience I had that opportunity um and felt really loved in that way I also grew up in black queer culture um Mm -hmm. which is also sometimes not people's experiences um and I'm and I'm really grateful for that Mm -hmm. um but I also grew up with a very small family my father wasn't chose, really, not to really be in my life, Um, I know him. Um, But my family, my majority of my father's family is in Virginia. And so his mother is the only person really to have left Virginia. Mm. And my grandma just rolls solo. So (laughs) sometimes in this work, um, I I often say, like, my white family doesn't get it. And my black family doesn't know me. So sometimes it feels kind of lonely, like in that space. Yeah. But what that does for me when showing, you know, showing up as like a lighter skin like multiracial black person is like I have to always check and recognize my own privileges. What privileges have I been afforded mm-hmm. that should ultimately um, you know, impact the way that I move
4: mm-hmm.
3: and when I should move in directions that like aren't in the spotlight. Like you know what I mean? Like I need to know when like it's not my turn or my time and when it is I need to make sure I go as hard as possible right like that's ultimately so that's that's how a lot um of like acknowledging and understanding my privilege in that and also understanding the the classist privilege that comes with being um born and raised in Montgomery County Maryland so Mm -hmm. like despite the fact that like I grew up with my mother on welfare with a teenage parent, right, who right. dropped out of high school, like got her GD, all of these things. In Montgomery County, like you just, you don't know that often yeah, because right. it's such a wealthy county. And so, okay. because it's so wealthy, the schools are okay. Like, yep, yep.
2: Yeah, they have, have like, you know.
3: Yeah, like the public schools are like okay. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. I just went to whatever school was in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and had a solid education, right? Like academically. I mean, I look back on it and I'm like, this,
4: this yeah, needs yep. to change
3: and shit. But ultimately, <laughs> I was prepared yep. to go yep. to like college. Like I was yep. prepared for that route. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I bring that into this work of like understanding and disrupting the fact that like that's actually not the only route. And brilliance doesn't just come from this academic pipeline. That's so right. Right. I try to make sure that like I'm, um, creating things in in creating space that's more inclusionary rather than exclusionary when it comes to understanding that like families are first for me right like families are first for me like there's brilliance in that like the funds of knowledge that black and brown people bring to everything that's that's brilliance right we need to name that so that's another way and then of course you know being a queer person and someone who um, is non-binary and like recent had recently come into Um, my identity as also as a trans person um, in the fact that I don't identify with the gender binary. That really informs so much of like the healing Mm -hmm. work that I do or how healing this work feels for me because often like, woke kindergarten is really a, a transmutation of my pain of like all of our kind of collective pain. Like how do I take my rage how can I transmute that into something else? Um, and so it looks like like this is healing my inner child in practice, in praxis. Wow. And so that's really what Woke Kindergarten is. And so yeah. that's why so much is it has to be pro-black, it has to be pro-trans, it has to be pro-LGBTQIA plus like right. That's what we yep. have to do. And so I want, I want babies like me, like because these babies have the language now, right? Yes. They have the yes. language now that we didn't used to have. Yes. But I want like little queer and trans children to understand that they're loved and I want them to feel affirmed and I want them to understand that like, you know, despite all of this like hatred and violence, like y- you exist in the future. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know, I want you to know that. I want black children to know that they are in the future, right? Yes. I want indigenous children to feel that way as well because whiteness will tell you that we're we're not there.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep.
3: And that's because they're scared because they know we're already okay. there. We run and shit. So those are just some of the ways that um, my identities kind of show up in the work is really just like an interrogation of my, my own self and like who I am, um, what privileges I'm afforded, um, what spaces I occupy because, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, also to in within queer community is more of like a trans mask, more mask presenting person that's also different. And so yep. like, there's also so many layers to the patriarchy that like, mm-hmm. I have to like, I'm like experienced so much violence from within community yep. as well. So there's all of these different layers. And um, I just try to be really clear, like even when, if I'm, if what photos am I using? How, what story, whose stories am I telling? Mm-hmm. What stories mm. am I telling? that has to show up in really intentional ways. So, um, you know, I try to do that as best as I can.
1: Yeah, I love that idea, like you said, interrogating, right? And that's what I kind of think about all the time. And like, you know, in in education right now, it's like, oh, reflect on your practice. And I'm like, you don't even have to ask me like, this is like, what I do, like every moment, you know, I'm like, you know, as a black male, how do I enter this space? how How do I? How are good people reacting to me in this space? How do I use my voice to elevate other people who might not have the same voice? So, like, I love that idea of interrogation.
2: Yep, love that.
0: Yeah, and and I I love the idea of really reflecting on the spaces that we occupy, um, because I think for so many of our young people and so many of our adult educators of color, uh, educators from LGBTQI place communities, um, educators who come came up in poverty, like all those kinds of things. Like I think that there, like multiple things can be true. So you can have an education that had adequate resources, and you know, with you yeah. know, institutional racism notwithstanding, like there were skills that colleges valued that you were able yep. to, um, that you were able to develop. And um, you know, I think that's a really powerful statement. Um, uh, this is, <laughs> this is like therapy. I had a really rough uh-huh. day. <laughs> <laughs> Love
2: that.
0: Just hearing, hearing how, how, how you're just verbalizing these, um, these feelings that come from such a deep spiritual place is just like really powerful for me. So, um, so thank you for that. So you, you started to discuss uh, woke kindergarten and, and it's so powerful um, because it, it's, it seems that your story in tandem with the work that is Woke Kindergarten is, is sort of a um, it's sort of a challenge to the white supremacist capitalist patriarchal method that we're kind of encouraged to do. It's like, well, you have your, your your job is this little compartment right here and you walk into that identity and that's it. And then as soon as you walk out of it, you're not thinking about it. Somehow our existence is as teachers are separate from our existences as human beings. Um, And I think that's a consequence of the overwhelming majority of the teaching force being white, that they don't have to think about identity in the same way that that we do. Um, And so when you say that this is a healing process, this is a manifestation of my rage, this is a manifestation of the love that I want to give little Black and brown and queer children that's such a powerful thing. So tell us a little bit about the moment or the process that you went through to say, actually, there's a thing called woke kindergarten. And and I'm going to do this. Can you share that with us?
3: Yeah, Uh, I think there are so many layers to it. Because, you know, woke kindergarten would never have been possible uh, in this way, um, in this iteration, had I not done that deep interrogation we talked about earlier mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. thought about the ways that i caused harm uh to children that i used to teach yep. because i was in a system that literally like you there's no other option yeah. like like there are options right. but like it's just that it seeps into you so deeply
2: Yeah,
3: right that sometimes you don't even realize that's what you're doing. And really only when you step out of those spaces, can you look back at them and be like, oh my goodness,
2: like, yep, yep.
3: this was like, this is carceral logic. Like what am I, what was I thinking? Like mm-hmm. how, and, 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 and that's kind of what happens to us is like, we tend to like in our own stress when we're being oppressed, we oppress others sometimes and so there were moments that i had that i'm not proud of like in my in my teaching career and so woke kindergarten in this Mm -hmm. iteration would never have been able to happen had i not really sat with myself and acknowledged that so i want people to understand that like this is not perfect work but the work is holding yourself accountable holding others accountable Um, for harm you may have caused and really figuring out how to repair that how to abolish it how to eliminate it Um, so woke kindergarten this iteration is a little different but woke kindergarten when it first started back in like 2016 I don't know maybe yeah I think it was 2016 where I like started the Instagram page Mm -hmm. Uh, it was because I was I used to write like a lot all of my like own curriculum generally so I would write the units I was the instructional coach of inquiry-based learning at my old school, so, like, I had an academic director, um, Zoltan, that was his name, but he was oh, so dope, name. like, what a great name,
4: Zoltan, <laughs> oh, he
3: was so dope, like, he was from San Diego, so It was, like, hella chill, but, like, he's the person who, like, really introduced me to, uh, just, he named inquiry-based learning for yes. me, right, and I, um, I was pretty much trained in, like, progressive ed and that, those were my experiences at Columbia like when I was teaching uh, at Rita Gold Center and like learn from all these people but like what does that look like within a charter school <laughs> <Yeah>. so
2: <laughs>
3: I um I used to write a lot of my own curriculum and I had written this curriculum called Everyday Heroes versus Superheroes through the lens of Black History and Resistance and it was like a two-month-long study and um in the midst of, of that, just in doing that work, um, maybe it was longer than two months, maybe like three months, wow. but in the, in 2016, as we know, we had a fascist elected yes. to office. <laughs> I mean. um, and, you know, my kids at the time were four and five right. and this was their first mm-hmm. kind of like election that they like kind of went to like, you know, consciously with their yeah. parents like they went to vote with their parents so um and I taught in a predominantly black school in mm-hmm. the middle of Harlem so mm-hmm. when they came back to school the following day they were hurt yeah they were scared yep they were yep. fearful yep. they were nervous i had kids crying mm-hmm. i had kids that needed to like you know the the social worker in our building was also like a therapist so like yeah. they needed time to go speak to her like it was sad. Yeah. You know these babies oh, yeah. were suffering because you know they came into this world and their first president was black. Um yep. and yep. just yep. just yep. for a young child the representation feels like a lot though so we know that like President Barack Obama is a war criminal. We can't let him get away with that. But like the babies didn't know that. Right. You know, yeah, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. Imagine yeah knowing the history of the United States yeah. of this settler colonial yeah. nation mm-hmm. and yeah. then knowing that yeah. it's all white people and you're a child you're a black child yep. and you see Barack Obama Michelle That's Obama right. so yeah. then going from that to this fascist yeah that was hard for them so when they came to school it was important that we created the space that we checked in with them asked them if we wanted to like have the conversations um, um, and like plan for it really intentionally and um, it just so happened that Uh, we were like in conversation. And, um, you know, I had asked my kids at some point, like, well, like, how how could you show people that you resist this? Like, because we Mm -hmm. had been talking about resistance, remember, like, how could you let people know, you know, how you feel? And so they were coming up with ideas. And one of my kids raised his hand and was like, you know, we could have a we could have a protest. And so, you know, it just, you know, went from there of like, we showed them um, just like photos of like what protest signs look like so they can get a better idea and understand. Right. So they had like a visual to go off of. And then we just gave them the cardstock and just whatever they wanted to use. And they just went to work. Like, no, we didn't tell them what to do. (laughs) Uh, And then, so when they were finished, like, when they were drawing, creating their signs they would come to me i was on the i was on the rug and i was like uh taping or gluing the like uh <laughs> the popsicle sticks to the that signs is. or whatever yes so while i'm doing that the kids who had already had that happen suddenly started like it was like eight of them or something i don't know they started marching around in the circle yes. talking about no donald <laughs> trump yeah. No, no, I
0: don't. Try. Oh, that's amazing. Right?
3: And so I was just like, oh,
4: step. Okay, cool. Like let's take it to They're
3: the hall. like, all right. I was Gucci like for Damn. real cuz the signs were so dope. The signs were that's so amazing. dope. Um that's amazing. and our school building was seven floors. So we took it to every floor.
2: We just yes, started nice. out there. Oh my god. Yes. Uh,
3: and so people <laughs> came out like and it's funny cuz like, you know, everybody at that school, they knew me. They knew my yeah. role. So they yeah, weren't man. surprised, but <laughs> you know, we 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 walked through and they were hyped. They were marching and they were saying that and they were with their wow. So that's really how it came it's to awesome. be and um I like a good play on words. So, you know, some yeah. people think like a lot of like you know, racist come to me, woke, woke, woke. I'm like, nah, it's not, y'all, y'all are, it's, it's not that deep. Um, but for me, like, you know, like for me, just like woke kindergarten, like I like the way that it sounded and it was cute. It was like a little play on words because they were little. And so yeah. that's kind of yeah. how it came to be. Yep. Um, and I thought to myself, dang, like I really, I would love people to experience what we're experiencing in the classroom in mm-hmm. some other way. Mm-hmm. So it really started off as like, how can I share resources yeah. online? And then like many things, if it's not, if if I don't feel spiritually drawn to something, I'll take a break from it. Mm-hmm. And so for years I didn't feel spiritually drawn to the way that I introduced World Kindergarten to the world. And so it wasn't until the pandemic yeah. that okay. it really hit me to be like, Wait a second. Like I'm out. Like I had to be two years out of the classroom. It took a lot of healing. My first year out of the classroom. Yep.
1: Oh, I I can
4: imagine. Was a
3: mess. Um. But like, it was that moment, you know, where I was like, you know, George Floyd had been murdered, and I recognized people needed support. They needed to have conversations, and that's when the the woke word of the day, uh, the protest resource, came to me, and I, and that's just kind of how well kindergarten ended up taking off. So there's there's been like two iterations, but the beginning of that story was was my boy saying let's have a protest and
4: yeah I love that I I, love that out of the mouth
1: of babes as we say
0: yeah that's right I use the woke word of the day with uh with my high schoolers (laughs) and that's fun and then yeah definitely so uh we're gonna take a quick break and uh when we come back we're we're gonna get into some of uh the details and um kind of what this approach and pedagogy looks like uh stay
2: with us
1: we
0: are deeply grateful for all your support these last few years your engagement on social media your downloads and your enthusiasm have kept us going since we started this too dope adventure nearly five years ago right kid
1: yes thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your ongoing support of the content that remixes the conversation about race, power, and education. We have big hopes and dreams that you have inspired. And with your support, those dreams begin to take shape in reality. In the coming weeks, you will learn about projects that we can now go forward with because you
0: stepped up. Yeah, we're so happy, of course. We still have numerous projects filed away that are awaiting your support. You can support these projects by visiting patreon.com slash 2 Patrons who join at the Tudope level get a Tudope Nation sticker. And what's better than stickers? Um, it's designed by local uh, artist Sham. And for a limited time, limited time, the next 5 Tudope patrons will get a copy of Cornelius Miner's book, We Got This. What?
1: what a deal hey, that is and it's signed and that's it's signed. right and it's signed patrons will enjoy special access to us in the form of ask me anything threads throwback old episodes occasional zoom meetings and sneak previews to upcoming work and public appearances our upcoming podcast series the exit interview featuring the brilliant asia lions which highlights the stories of black teachers who are forced out of teaching is only possible because of our patrons.
0: and I, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so dope. So we asked and you responded. We look forward to growing and learning with you. Let's remix this conversation on race, power, and education.
2: Welcome back. We
0: are still here, um, having a really, really deep conversation with Key of Woke Kindergarten. Yes. Um, when we went to break, we w- we were talking a little bit about the origins of Woke Kindergarten as a resource, um, the, the the kind of the the growth process that that you experienced, and how it was really um, this response to this traumatic electoral event that. Uh, that that the little ones had kind of witnessed. And that's the thing that's really striking to me is that there's this conventional wisdom that little kids just don't know, right? Oh, they don't know what's happening. They don't understand. They don't understand like this, that, and the other thing. Um, and yet when we talk to early mm-hmm. educators, um, you know, we're talking ECE um, three and four, kindergarten, you know, first grade, you know, what we hear from those educators is like, no, um, these little ones, <laughs> they get angry, they get scared, they experience injustice. They know that it's injustice when they experience it. And, um, and so what, what a powerful kind of manifestation of, of what, they were, what they were doing. Um, so-
3: It's almost like little children have humanity. What? Can you believe it? Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Can I mean, you be- like, ow? it's a
4: trick. Imagine trick that. Out. It's so Imagine.
0: Imagine. Like, Who knew? Who, knew? who <laughs> right? knew? But I mean, that's right. I, th- I think that, you know, I th- when we when we look at what the system does to dehumanize children, I mean, that's mm-hmm. one of the things is like, well, they don't know. They don't know. They don't feel anything about this. They just want to play with their friends and that kind of thing. Um, so we're not going to necessarily get into the specifics, like the foundational stuff, because we just really think people need to go to your website and support your work and see the great resources that are there. Um, but one of the questions that comes up is, so I imagine parents are involved in, um, in kind of the educational process at the earlier grades more than they are at the grades that I teach, which is mostly, you know, 10th and 11th grade. Um, how how does um how does how's a teacher with this kind of you know focus kind of collaborate with parents who for whom kindergarten was probably a really different experience than this yeah. and um how does that relationship operate or how should it operate how have you made it operate
3: yeah uh, I think you know if I'm thinking about um and just so people are aware for context, when I talk about parents, I'm really specifically talking about black parents.
2: There you
3: go. Black and brown parents. Um, so when I think about black families in particular, uh, and I, I think about, you know, like people are often asking like, well, how do you do this work? Like, how do you invite families? I'm like, you have to have a uh, real reverence for families. You, you really have to make uh the the time and the space to get to know your families you know and I and this is me speaking to like when I was in the classroom my families always came first I'm I'm capping for them even when they ain't capping for me (laughs) right (laughs) you know because that's how trauma works right sometimes you know people are at different parts of their healing journeys and so you might see something that you've already healed from occurring in someone else And so then that's displaced upon you in certain ways because that's how whiteness works. That's how white supremacy works. Um, And so like, it was really that like families and caregivers, they're children's first teachers. And what families are already doing is they're teaching children the ways of the world, right? Like to me, part of our job as teachers is to, be in the room with families and to name what it is that they're already doing. Wow. Let me put a name on when you cook with your child. Let me put a name on what it is that you're doing when y'all walk across the street and y'all are counting. Yeah. Let me put a name when you see the walk sign and you're encouraging your child to count backwards. Let me put a name on that, mm. right? Because that's my privilege is that I have names for all of that. I didn't went to school multiple times right like (laughs) I like I have this like academic language that's often very exclusionary for the things that parents and caregivers are already doing yeah but there's this disconnect right because schooling isn't about education at all (laughs) schooling is indoctrination in so many ways so like kids don't go to school to learn these ways of the world. They don't go to school to hear, that's not, these are not places for that, especially not for black children, especially not for indigenous children, right? Yeah. Like these are not places, right? The school literally, <laughs> like like these schools, this school system was set up very intentionally to oppress children. Right. Yep. Um, And so it's like that type <laughs> of learning that's happening at home is often severed from school, and it's like parents and characters are made to feel like what they like their their brilliance that they already have. What they're already offering their child isn't enough, so they gotta send their child to this to this school system because it's at school where they'll learn this. And now I'm like, hold up, my most brilliant kids were the ones with common sense. Yep. You'll learn that in school. You'll learn yeah. common sense in school. You know how frustrated I would get sometimes with kids. <laughs> I'm like, yo. Like, why did this generation of kids, like some of my babies just did not have no comments. So I'm like,
2: <laughs> but then
3: my kids who are getting, like, not when they were with me, but the kids who were like later on when they went to first grade, like constantly getting suspended. And like, right. even the kids that I had, I was their second year kindergarten teacher, right? One of my kids, I was her second year kindergarten teacher. And there was this one moment where I just watched her take out all of the books out of a bin, set them up, organize them in this really intricate way
2: oh, wow. mm-hmm. and yeah. this
3: was and I've since my other kids could not do that they yeah were like you know what I'm yeah saying? so yeah. it's really about naming the brilliance that families already bring those funds of knowledge that like white folks don't see or get okay Definitely. like Definitely. like that that is so important and so when you you create space to get to know your families like it's not about what you bring to them you really have to to highlight what they bring to you. So, and this honestly, like now that a lot of kids are at home, um, there's so there's there's no excuse for not doing it, but there are ways like you want to learn more about your families, send some type of survey home, create like a digital yep. yearbook where yeah, families get, ways. get involved. There are ways to do that. And so, yeah. um, and, and you know, other times it looks like just making yourself um, available for families to vent. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, you have to take you have to take the brunt of that in order yeah. to get to a place where healing can start to happen, and that happened with me multiple times with many families. Where hey, just go ahead, go off on me, go let,
1: off let on it me. go, let I'm, it go. I'm gonna I'm 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 sit
3: here and I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> I understand.
1: Yeah, because a lot That's of a said. lot of times, uh, black parents in particular feel like nobody nobody's gonna listen to me. You ain't gonna listen to me, but but I think you know our parents appreciate when when you're like look I'm I hear what you're saying I'm I'm gonna let you go 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 right and I understand and
3: it's it's familial like our cultures are naturally familial
2: yep Mm -hmm.
3: you know like so for me it's like hey what's up mom what's up auntie like what's up grandma? that's how I used to talk I barely remembered the names that's so amazing that's what I called them all the time (laughs) and then you know like we had to create that. Like we always had the best That's parent right. engagement. People, people would be like, "Yo, kid, Indiana, like, how do y'all have so many parents coming on your field trips?" I'm like, because I treat them as humans,
4: That's and right. I also
3: yeah. understand that schools are are often places of like true like. Like you, ex- like for a lot of our parents, they experience PTSD coming into these That's places. Right. They're often right. pushed yeah. out of these places. That's like right. they're not Great welcome
0: either. Yep, school mm-hmm. is exactly, mm-hmm. wow. yeah.
3: exactly. So it's like a drop off. And so, what we're not going to do is put the onus completely on parents and be That's like, right. nah, they don't want to be involved. Yeah. That's what we won't do. Yeah. Right. We have to understand that we need to also take that on and with. And have a full understanding of this system and what it does to people. How yes. it not only, like, as Bettina Love says, it doesn't only spirit murder our children, it mm-hmm. spirit murders our teachers, it spirit murders our families, Everyone. it spirit murders all of us. And so wow. we need to have that lens. Like, committing to abolition is understanding that, like, the prison industrial complex operates Speak. in schools, it Speak. is there. Schools Speak. operate as prisons. So yeah. we need to when we commit to abolition we're saying like this no we cannot we cannot let this happen anymore but we also have to understand what it does to people
0: yeah and approach things from that way i have to cop to my uh to my colonized mindset because just as you sort of named that we don't make these like instructional choices and just put them on our on our children and our communities. That really, where the work is rooted, is in the relationship with the community and in the value that you show for that community. And that's a real um, that's a real disruption to this system, right? Uh, when we start humanizing everybody, when we start saying that, oh, I understand that you're probably not checking your email on a computer very often so um so we'll find other ways to communicate i understand you can't do a conference between 4 and 8 p.m so let's do it when you can do it do i need to be at the school at 6 a.m i'm there like those kinds of things that are so important and um and so that like you just like decolonize me of that like notion because that's that's the thinking. It's like, oh man, you're gonna start talking about racism with children and parents are gonna get mad and all that kind of stuff. But that's not where it begins. It begins in the relationships and in the knowledge that you have of community and the connections that you foster. And so it sounds like what it does is it 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 organically grows into this sense of self worth that mm-hmm. little ones have, and that's what the wokeness is that they actually believe that they have a voice and that they can go to people and they can make their voices heard when they're when when they're uh concerned about the direction of their community and that kind of
3: yeah thing. and it's in that it, it and it that doesn't mean we're, you're not gonna mess up we all mess up we all sure. get upset like you know we all have bad days too where we're triggered you know by a parent but but the real work is being able to sit with that reaction, that initial reaction, pinpoint where it's coming from. Like, actually, yep. I don't own this. This isn't mine. <laughs> this is not my thought. Yeah. This is whiteness. Like, this <laughs> is not yep. my thought, yep. right? Yep. Uh, but yeah. that's, that's where that work comes in, you know? But like, there's so many moments, like, if we're having parent-teacher conferences, it's really not about, for me, like, oh, your child can and can't do. Yep. A lot of my time that I spent was on naming and kind of teaching into the things that I would teach to the children and I had a lot of families that um in Harlem that were from West Africa and so yes. they knew they knew like four or five six
2: languages yes. and was yes. good to me yeah. acting yeah.
3: like acting like English was the standard I said y'all y'all more brilliant than me I right. know this exactly. Like, they, exactly they done put me in Latin what did do enhance my vocabulary I could tell you a spell I could I can put a spell you on go. you but you know what I'm saying but like you know, what am my I remember clear as day. One of my moms, she started crying because I was teaching her like the un- to understand like how we teach the like silent e. We yep. used to call it, like the sneaky e. Yeah, and yep. she basically like was like, I just learned more from you in fifteen minutes than I did in my English class that I'm taking. With adults because she had to like take that class right yep. like i in that moment i taught her more about phonics so then what does that mean me being yeah. able to just sit take this time share yep. this knowledge now you understand it yep with your child that's what we're supposed to do we're not we we don't own the knowledge like we're we, like we need to share it that's that's what we that's should right. be doing right. with our privilege in these spaces that's what we need to be
1: doing no, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and you go back to the interrogation, right? Like what you said, it's about that interrogation, but we have those moments where we're triggered or where we break down. And and, and like you hear the, the psychologist uh, mindset, you know, of analyzing why, why am I having this re- reaction and going back to this idea that, oh, that's white supremacy, right? We've yep. been programmed, that's the colonized mindset. So like, um, I love the idea of the protest, but what other kind of Practices Because I know you're doing a lot of like some other amazing practices in woke kindergarten. And so what does abolitionist education look like in a kindergarten class? And what does anti-racism look like and sound like in a kindergarten class?
3: Yeah. Um, so one, I First, I'll just plug my workshop, which is yeah, <laughs> a workshop. Teaching in the early years, um, a woke kindergarten mixtape. And that's really what we get into. Like, what does it look like in the early years through woke yes. kindergarten's lens? Right. Um, so we really get deeply into that. Um, and I guess what I'll talk about in one thing that my homie, my family, um, Dr. Farima, poor course, she sure. said yesterday, oh, like, yes. oh, yes, she <laughs> Uh, and this is something that I say to people all the time because sometimes people use um, uh, it, use um, abolitionist and like anti-racist interchangeably yep. to describe my work. Yep. And while abolition is inherently anti-racist, yes. anti-racism isn't abolition. And my homie, um, that's right, Dr. Farima said that yesterday. Like I was so hyped, but she was uh. like, We you are not, these are not the same thing. You know, you know, because abolition is a commitment.
2: That's right. right.
3: to completely abolishing the prison industrial complex, and that's not necessarily anti racism, right? Nope. Like you could sit here and say, "Yeah, I want to be more anti racist," and still call the cops. Uh, you
4: that's know, right. showed up.
2: showed up. That's right.
3: And so, like, there's there's a difference. So, what I try to do, especially in this workshop, is, you know, I've created a uh, series of frameworks um, that help people kind of understand what this work looks like Um, and one of the things is like old kindergarten very similar to like you know how uh uh, the black panther party had the 10 point program yes really i was inspired by that and so i thought to myself like what are the tenets of old kindergarten
4: Mm -hmm. so
3: what that turned into was like what are these lenses of like that that i you know do this work through um, and so those lenses, I ended up coming with like, you know, 15. And of course they, they overlap in so many different mm-hmm, ways. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. just ultimately like there are like three kind of main areas, like heal, like um, resisting healing and creating. And so through those areas, like what do those things look like? Right. And so when you think about a classroom, right. And yep. you have to get into like, like I was never able to name my practice as abolitionist teaching until I met Dr. Love. That's and, just, I have to you, say, like there was no uh, can, other person can, that can was you, talking about can, that.
1: Can you stop for a second? Because like my mind's blowing up because like it's, it's, <laughs> it goes back to, to what you're doing, right? I want people to understand you are teaching kindergartners to resist when the opposite, the tradition in every kindergarten class is to submit, right? No. It's to, <laughs> to, to, to follow along, to, to join in, to get rid of like who you are. And like, I think that is important, like this idea of resistance, healing and creating. Right. And I'm really big on teaching the kids to create because like Mm. you, like we know that all of this world that we live in was created. Right. But we don't see ourselves as the creators and the builders Mm. who can make it the world that we want. So I love that idea of resistance, healing and creation as those three kind of Focuses. I'm sorry. I just right. ended, <laughs> I just nah, ended that's, that I
3: appreciate that because then you like, you know, and 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 this 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 nation was built on the backs of who? Yep. Um but I you know, so so much of that, right? So much of abolition isn't just the destruction of these systems and structures, right. it's the creation of new ones. Right. It is what, yes. you know, like Robin D.G. Kelly calls freedom dreams. It is the black radical imagination. It is being able to conceive and like for woke wonderings, the framework around that is really to like, imagine possible futures as present realities. Like that is so much of abolition to know that we can create our own worlds. So that's really like, so what does that look like in a classroom, right? It looks like black joy, it looks like play, like it looks like free, like free play. It looks like, you know, Part of what I do and I don't want to give too much away because I yep, want people yep, to really yep, come to yep, this yep, workshop. Sign up for that workshop. Y'all. I really do. I really do. Yeah, uh, but like if I'm thinking, for example, about uh, you know, let me let me think about what um, critical resistance looks like, yep. right? In early childhood, part of what I can say is stop telling your children to turn their cameras on. Yes, because that is surveillance. <laughs> like yeah. you, you know what I'm saying. Like it that is trying up, control, it really
4: it's like, That's
3: what it looks like. That's one of the things that I could literally say. Or like, if we think about the ways in which, uh, you know, we punish kids in schools and these yep. behaviorist systems, like, yep. the, like really being able to identify how that operates in early childhood, and to sit here and say, like, well, what are the things that we're doing to center healing? to center joy, right. To center creation, to center play, those types of things. Like, what are you doing to do that? Right? Like, are you punishing children for their feelings or are you giving them space to self-regulate? Yep. That's two different things. They're little, they need to understand and learn how to self-regulate. So many of us, we still can't self-regulate. I can't (laughs) (laughs) self-regulate. Like, you know, so true that's part of what we need to do is like create space to nurture those inherent kind of abilities and powers that children have and one big thing is like how are you nurturing children's imaginations how are you giving them the space to freedom dream something different it might be as simple as like you know how people have classroom rules Yes. Like, well, they're not rules, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how can we decolonize that language and really understand that, like, they're community agreements. Yes. So, so just something as simple, something as simple as shifting. And it's it's hard work. It's not simple. But like, if we think about the concept, it's like, instead of saying,
0: right, simple, exactly, exactly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. saying,
3: like, okay, don't run. That's a rule. Okay, well, what's the agreement? Please walk. Right. It's just something like just really and that really does a wonder, not only for, for what you're doing in your classroom, but for your relationships. That's you right. Know, at home. That's right. Like being able to like, <laughs> you know, speak yeah. like have that type of language. So those are just those are some of the ways, but like I really encourage like because we really get into that work um interactively in that workshop. And I, I would love for people to to really take the time to explore.
1: Y'all gotta come. Come. Y'all gotta come. come. Y'all real. gotta hit uh, the workshop. Uh, y'all, y'all care. What what? This is just a taste. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's little, like, just a little taste. Just a little taste. A little <laughs> just a little <laughs> taste. It's it's like that sample the-
0: of Costco. Like yeah. I mean, it's it's really good. But if you want more, you're gonna have to get the package and that's right. um, and that's actually
4: true. be thankful. <laughs> <I laughs> love that. <laughs> I love that. No,
0: that's that's an amazing thing because I think that's like it does feel really insurgent to build community in this system. Um. And and it's interesting because I think. You know, in the upper grades, we have a lot of decolonizing to do because, you know, it's kind of we chatted a little bit off camera about, you know, are we creating community so that students can continue to be reified pawns of capitalist imperative, mm. Like, or are we creating community because this sense of community will allow them to reshape their world and the world that they grow up into? I mean, I, and, and I think the second thing is preferable and it has a lot fewer easy solutions but i mean the solutions are simple in my in my like kind of view and kind of how you named it it's simple doesn't make it easy but it's simple do this and and uh and you'll start to uh present the learning process as something that does center healing and community and those things that we all grew up with
3: absolutely and and the other the only other thing i wanted to add that feels really super important and essential is like uh the it also looks like prioritizing um rest and really teaching into consent into having mutual respect for babies just even the way that you talk with them getting down to their level creating space for children to be able to see you apologize to hear you apologize to them right to 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 also create space for kids not not to have to accept apologies and that be okay um right like we we need to be able to do that and like the nap ministry has been just that's been yeah if y'all ain't heard of the nap ministry you need to follow the nap ministry but like this idea that often in early childhood like rest also gets stripped from children like the older they get the less time they have to rest and it's just like no i know my high schoolers
0: are always asking for nap time and i'm like Right, why don't why, why don't we why, like, why aren't we? I would, why? I would like to see the looks on their faces because they've they've been they've been broken into this system, right? Yep. Yeah, just to say, you know what? put your head down for ten minutes, rest, go to sleep. Yep. like whatever you want to do, I'd like
1: uh, and our kids are tired like, oh my like, God. our kids are Especially tired. Now we don't we don't get ones? enough rest. we're in front of these screens. We have so much, you know, um so yeah, dab, and i I come from a um. As Gerardo mentioned, I'm from uh, Georgia. My my mom comes from Columbus, Georgia. Uh, my dad's from Jacksonville. But uh, we, we come from a heavy napping culture. It <laughs> gets so hot. It's so hot in the Like 2.30, <laughs> 3 o'clock. you you'd like in the middle of the yeah. summer in Columbus, Georgia. Yeah. Like, you better go inside and rest.
0: No, that's yeah. right. That's right. I, just, it's just... It's the same with me as a, as, a, as a Mexican dad who was raised by a Mexican dad. That's like, right. We Mexican dads, we have this like superpower, which is that we can fall asleep anywhere. Like, <laughs> so I remember my dad being at the table, crosses his arms and...
3: Yo, that's funny. And he's just out.
0: And I used to laugh at him. I used to be like, how does dad be falling asleep at the dinner table? Like, that's wild. Like that, I would never... And now here I am. Oh, you know, the Nat
3: Ministry, the Nat oh. Ministry says... Uh, That like rest is productive, that we don't rest to be productive, but that rest is productive.
0: Ah, we we got we got to start uh, propagating this idea because, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, that's the thing is my AP students are studying industrialization and and in capitalism. And, you know, the question that one of them posed the other day was like, so it seems like this just doesn't stop. Mm. I'm like, no, it doesn't. That's not, that's not in the design. Exactly. Capitalism's, not, capitalism's not designed to have a logical conclusion. It just does yep. more and more and takes more and more out of the humans that are involved in it. Um, man, well, uh, we have just one and th- this is arguably the most critical question. Um,
2: okay. <laughs> you know, we're
0: talking about pedagogy. We're talking about this kind of thing, but th- this, this is a critical question. Um, it, it's so big. I can't even ask it. I got to have Kevin ask it. Cause Oh I,
1: you put it on me to ask this question. I do. I
0: do. Cause I, I cause I, uh, it's, uh, All right. it's a lot.
1: So, so this is a loaded question. And so loaded, I always say loaded, that, always. that you can take it where you want to go. Don't, don't be rigid. There is, we, 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 we want to hear what perspectives are. Right. So there's this question that floats around, who are your top five <laughs> rappers, hip hop <laughs> artists, independent artists, who, who in your mind is important for the culture? Maybe that's how we should ask it. What, who, who are the important <laughs> musical artists for the culture, according yeah. to Keith?
0: And, and and I will say that we reject hierarchies on the two features. We, we, we reject those things. So it doesn't have to be a hierarchy. We reject the dictatorship of numeral limits. So like, your top Word. 5 can be can like be. well there's there's a five way tie for three and then there's a two way tie for four and then there's a nine way tie. so you could do it like that you could do collectives like so so we we Nothing. really want to disrupt actually the and decolonize the top 5 uh rappers conversation all right let yeah. me get my pen let me get my pen <laughs> so
3: I have to name that like when I was a child, I like was a hip hop head. Like I was like, yo, like bone thugs, like two like Nas. Like I yes. just like yes. I when I was a kid, I really like I was that that was who I was. And then as I grew older and kind of understood the inner workings of the patriarchy, I yes. thought to myself, okay. Yes. Well, I'm gonna have to, I'm really a nineties R and B new jack swing kind of dude. Oh, at yeah. Like yes. if you put some guy on for me, yes, it's crap. yes. It's oh
0: man, guy.
3: You put some. Aaron so you got Hall guy. You got like me. after seven.
0: Rap. You dig some yeah. after. Seven? Oh man. Yeah, like listen.
3: <laughs> so like SW, like all of that yeah. was my jam, but I because you know with my with my team, Women Amplify, and my my partner um sonic who's a singer songwriter um she's undoubtedly one of my favorite artists is an r&b artist um we we started throwing a a concert series like like an underground concert series called sisters on sign we started throwing it in i believe um uh 2017 i think and um It's basically a series that we threw out of a recording studio in Brooklyn, Hyper Ballad. Those are my, those are our dudes. Um, And it was basically a space uh, that we created again, like this, through this abolitionist lens, because we realized that like for, for like, Black and brown, queer and trans artists, um, yes. especially like women, non-binary, like yes. gender non-conforming yes. um, artists. It was, It's an unsafe place. The industry is an unsafe That's place. Right. And so 100%. we were like, 100%. you know, after, you know, Sonic would perform at all these places and spaces, And we're like, yo, this is not safe for us. Like our yep. collective is like all queer people of yep. color. Like, you know, so we i was like yo let's let's have this have this event where we amplify the voices of like women non-binary trans queer creatives of all kind of like of all avenues and so sisters and sign was born um we built the stage ourselves like solar who was our like producer engineer multi-instrumentalist extraordinaire (laughs) yep she she literally not only ran the sound but like played cajon like and then our homie Melee, who was her partner, she like ran the bar, did like videography. Yeah. I hosted the joint. I Family I plan to run a show. Oh, I booked the artists. Oh, so man. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull from Sisters and Sign primarily. Let's do it. That's what's
1: up. That's these spaces
3: the always hype like independent artists, and my favorite hip hop artist right now like is an artist named Kumbaya. Who they my are my, oh. they are my dude. They are my dude. Kumbaya is the illest, like one of the illest lyricists I've ever heard in my life. Like, wow. is also a drummer and a percussionist. Okay. okay. Just as, like, can you imagine? Like, here's someone just like a percussionist go off. Yes. Like. Yes. It's, it's just dumb, like Kumbaya
2: <laughs> is really like, yes,
3: that's my dude and it's funny cause we have the same last name so we always say that we're siblings. There
4: we um, go, there we go. There we go. go. So
3: definitely Kumbaya um, right. is an artist who is in Brooklyn but like comes from the Bay, comes from Oakland. Okay. My partner yes. also from the Bay, her name is Nappy Nina.
2: Yep. Nappy right.
3: Nina is the illest, she's yep. the dopest. Um, We have a homie, uh, Latasha. Um, who's from out here, who's from New York City. Latasha's crazy lyricist. I'm not sure if she'll still identify as a hip hop artist, but you have to like listen um, to her stuff. Um, And then um, also have a homie, um, Rocky Snyder, who's Uh, like the dopest lyricist, like hosted a lot of events, like just in the game out here. Um, And then people that I actually haven't had the chance to just be in community with yet, There are two um, uh, black trans women rappers. They're super dope. Um, one's name is Miss Boogie,
4: yeah. like right. super
3: dope. And <laughs> another, um, her name is Quay Dash. Quay Dash. Um, and, uh, and then another kind of uh, black queer rappers. Um, there's this young dude, I believe he's from Chicago. His name is Kid Ken.
0: Kid Ken. Kid All Ken,
3: right. he's like 16, 17 years old. He's All right. really, he's, Definitely he is so still. tight <laughs> with two ends. <laughs>
2: Okay. Um, keep right. two, two ends,
3: ends. Um, and then of course, um, cakes the killer. Cakes,
2: cakes the, killer. the killer.
3: Yeah. So that th- those will be my lineup. Um, I really want to amplify these voices, these, these independent artists, these you know, um, uh, black women, black queer, black trans yes. artists. Like yes. just hella dope, um, and be definitely beautiful. deserve to be uplifted in that way. Oh, yeah. and the last person I would say is our homie Frequency. Frequency. Uh, yeah. Just like just dope. Frequency is dope. Um, freak with the F-R-E-A-K. Wait. And then, yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, man. So where do folks find these performers?
3: Um, I would go to their Instagram. Okay. I would really, I would start going to their Instagram. A lot of them have projects out. Right. Um, so you know go into Apple Music and do that um, oh, yeah. and the last person I want to plug is, is my partner Sonic like we've been partners in life love art for a long time um, we write music together we've like written albums together and so um, uh, she, she, she she could blow and it's crazy because you know like she's she's profoundly deaf in one ear and partially in the other and we just um, put her last project out her EP called Keep You Posted Keep you and Sonic be spitting, which is crazy. Like, bag, like, really be spitting. So, oh, um, oh definitely man. check that out. Keep you posted um, in seasons. Oh, and that's that's all I got. That's Hope that's it was good. Up.
1: Oh man, that's good. Always uh, good independent music recommendations. Well, that's the way. That might be the best list we've got.
0: I, I was I was gonna say the same. It's fresh, thing. It's fresh. he Gross wins. He's not yes. tired. <laughs> I not appreciate high. that. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and you know when I think about. Like the area I grew up in, I'm I'm a I'm a half white half Latinx person, uh, Mexican descent, who grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood. And you know the amazing thing was when hip hop started to blow up, when when rappers mm. started coming out, every kid on the block was trying it, and like there there are obviously a lot of it's it's a complex situation when you live in um in a neighborhood that's been through struggle and when but when you like the creative energy is something i'll just never forget and just like everybody everybody wanted to spit and it was like oh so beautiful that that is that is a beautiful list um so uh let's tell the people about some projects you're working on how can people support your work um where they find you what do you have coming up that you might have teased in the previous segment that uh, folks should be a part of?
3: Yeah, so um, of course, well, kindergarten is like on every kind of social avenue you could think of. Yep. We have a YouTube, we have a TikTok. The TikTok is specifically for kids, so you don't have there to worry about it. Oh, like, so cool. like All right? Not, not being appropriate. Um, yes. We have um, Instagram. Um, Facebook is a cesspool for racists. Yes, but you really. know, we have a Facebook page. Yeah. We um, <laughs> <you> don't worry <really> about <laughs> things. We have a Patreon. So yes. patreon.com slash kindergarten. And yes. I, I have to make it really clear, like this isn't a Patreon where you like join so that I produce for you. That's not yeah. how it works. This yeah. is a Patreon where you understand that, like, this is how you help sustain the work. And so like, there are some, sometimes I'll drop things on there, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but like, I'm not I'm not producing for you. I don't operate that way. That's right. That, um, and that's
0: so important because I think that, um, I, I think that's where, you know, the work really is. It's like, listen, commit to supporting this incredibly yeah. important work that nobody else is doing. And, um, and like, that's your reward. That's what you get is knowing that you're supporting the work.
2: Yep. Yep.
3: So there, our website, wokekindergarten.org, um, um, our YouTube has all like our woke read alouds, our 60 second texts, um, which are dope. And then on Twitter, I'm at Akia, A-K-I-E-A-G. So at Akia G on Twitter. Um, and so the other work, I just launched, um, a digital archive, um called black children play um i want to remind everybody that tamir was playing
4: yep.
3: right um yep. our play is revolutionary it will mm-hmm. be archived that's what we doing over at black children play
4: yeah.
3: um it is really just like an ode um to black joy um a love letter uh you know to black youth and so that's that's really dope and that came about because go ahead and google black children playing and see what comes up it, it's literally not only just co-opted by whiteness, but it's always it's like stock photos.
1: Yep.
3: It's just like it. This like doesn't exist. I'm like Man. this is this is crazy. So, Man. so that that's that's one of the big ones. Um, we're also working on um, this like early um, this kind of early learning abolitionist zine that's going to be like a curricular zine that like families can navigate with kids called the Little Revolutionary. Um, I have a grant through Abolitionist Teaching Network. Um, and a grant through uh, the Vela Fund to work on that. So that's coming up. Um, and then if you want to check out a lot of these independent artists, go check out um, Sisters Unsigned on Instagram. Right. Um, that's a dope place. And then I used to, uh, I started Black Teachers Matter many years ago. Um, and, I, and I used to have a, a nonprofit called Equitable Schools. But as my ideology shifted, mm-hmm. um, I decided to dissolve that. Um, right, as I became a school abolitionist. And so yeah. I have a page called Why Abolition. Um, and I haven't had the space or time to touch it in a while. Sure. Um, but it's there. And so that's really what I'm working on. And you can, you know, highlight me about other stuff. Um,
0: uh, so, and then the conference yeah. is coming up. Can you say what that conference oh, yeah, is? Oh, yes, the, the
3: symposium. So um, the, the the early childhood symposium um, with with Bank Street, uh, my, my homie, one of my mentors, Takima, I've been uh, part of this for the last three years. I'm moderating the panel on February fourth, I believe it is, Um, and it'll be like live streamed. You can you can register. Uh, It's really dope. I'll be in conversation with like a coalition of early childhood folks. So make sure to catch that. That's super dope.
0: This you are hearing this on the morning of February fourth. Do that tonight.
2: Yes, yes. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna jump into
0: the future and say we've been promoting this on our social media platforms, and so y'all done new since we uh, uh, yeah. s- since we did this argue- since we did this interview. So, uh, so that is tonight.
3: Yes. <laughs> and the last thing I'll plug because there's a lot of things coming up, but there's this conference I'm excited to be the closing keynote for at the end of February. Um, yeah. called the Birth of Brilliance, and so it's in partnership with like San Diego Children's Services. Um. And so my keynote will really be around, like, you know, how from birth, like, children that are brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of things nice. I'm going to offer a community kind of version of my workshop soon, which means that you like, you'll just be able to sign up like on a sliding scale and I'll just offer it on my own platforms, like on my own Zoom, um, yeah. because I know how like these institutions can block a lot of people from being able to partake. And so sometimes it's easier to just go ahead and do that yourself. So,
1: yep
0: awesome. So, wow, that's that's amazing. Such oh man, so much so much incredible things that you're working on. Um Gross, woke kindergarten. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, this has been Thank you. This is this has been such a beautiful conversation to be a part of. Like I could I feel like I could just sit here and listen to you talk <laughs> and that would be okay I Appreciate that.
2: So
0: if, you, so if you ever have an audiobook or a podcast like you know um just like such so so many ideas that i'm gonna walk away thinking about yes um, yes kind of go into this definitely
3: that's the plan we sp- i've been supposed to start this little little podcast series but that might also be an ig live series called snack time
4: yeah so yes. like
3: definitely look out for that it's really just about out. capacity so whenever I get to it, I get to it. I have a full-time job that a lot of people don't know about. So like, yeah. so I, I, try to, I try to get to it when I get to it. But yeah. it'll be coming um, very similarly. We're, we're going to do something. We're going to start something called Producer ABCs. It's going to be dope. So like, we go. it's coming. Oh, I don't know when. Don't ask All right, well, me when. We'll, but be on be on be we'll be on
0: the lookout. We'll be on the lookout. Wait for it. Tell everybody we know about it. All right. So Key, the way we tend to take things out is I'll ramble for a little bit, which is kind of characteristic of me. And then um, on a signal, we'll all try to say Stay Dope together. Um, usually what we do is we try to at least like have like a, a fluttering of Stay Dopes. Um, and so that's what we're gonna do. So for our guest, Key Gross of woke kindergarten for my fearless and loving and powerful co-host kevin adams my name is gerardo muñoz and as we go into these moments of uncertainty as we throw off settler colonialism as we disrupt capital, white supremacist capitalist homophobic patriarchy we need to stay focused stay determined stay open-minded stay learning stay in community but more than anything we invite you all to stay, stay dope.
3: dope so i love that
4: all right